book two chapter one of the clansman an historical romance of the ku klux klan by thomas dixon jr this librivox recording is in the public domain recorded by michelle fry book two the revolution chapter one the first lady of the land the little house on the capitol hill now became the center of fevered activity this house selected by its grim master to become the executive mansion of the nation was perhaps the most modest structure ever chosen for such high uses it stood a small two-story brick building in an unpretentious street seven windows opened on the front with black solid paneled shutters the front parlor was scantily furnished a huge mirror covered one wall and on the other hung a life-size oil portrait of stoneman and between the windows were a portrait of washington irving and a picture of a nun among his many charities he had always given liberally to an orphanage conducted by a roman catholic sisterhood the back parlor whose single window looked out on a small garden he had fitted up as a library with leather upholstered furniture a large desk and table and scattered on the mantel and about its walls were the photographs of his personal friends and a few costly prints this room he used as his executive office and no person was allowed to enter it without first stating his business or presenting a petition to the tawny brown woman with restless eyes who sat in state in the front parlor and received his visitors the books in their cases gave evidence of little use for many years although their character indicated the tastes of a man of culture his pliny caesar cicero tacitus sophocles and homer had evidently been read by a man who knew their beauties and loved them for their own sake this house was now the mecca of the party in power and the storm center of the forces destined to shape the nation's life senators representatives politicians of low and high degree artists correspondents foreign ministers and cabinet officers hurried to acknowledge their fealty to the uncrowned king and hail the strange brown woman who held the keys of his house as the first lady of the land when charles sumner called a curious thing happened by a code agreed on between them lydia brown touched an electric signal which informed the old commoner of his appearance stoneman hobbled to the folding doors and watched through the slight opening the manner in which the icy senator greeted the negress whom he was compelled to meet thus as his social equal though she was always particular to pose as a superior of all who bowed the knee of the old man whose house she kept sumner at this time was supposed to be the most powerful man in congress it was a harmless fiction which pleased him and at which stoneman loved to laugh the senator from massachusetts had just made a speech in boston expounding the equality of man yet he could not endure personal contact with a negro he would go secretly miles out of the way to avoid it stoneman watched him slowly and daintily approach this negress and touch her jeweled hand gingerly with the tips of his classic fingers as if she were a toad convulsed he scrambled back to his desk and hugged himself while he listened to the flow of lydia's condescending patronage in the next room this world's too good a thing to lose he chuckled i think i'll live always when Sumner left, the hour for dinner had arrived, and by special invitation, two men dined with him. 
on his right sat an army officer who had been dismissed from the service a victim of the mania for gambling his ruddy face iron-gray hair and jovial mien indicated that he enjoyed life in spite of troubles there were no clubs in washington at this time except the regular gambling houses of which there were more than one hundred in full blast stoneman was himself a gambler and spent a part of almost every night at hall and pemberton's faro palace on pennsylvania avenue a place noted for its famous restaurant it was here that he met colonel howell and learned to like him he was a man of talent cool and audacious and a liar of such singular fluency that he quite captivated the old commoner's imagination upon my soul howell he declared soon after they met you made the mistake of your life going into the army you're a born politician you're what i call a natural liar just as a horse is a pacer a dog a setter you lie without effort with an ease and grace that excels all art had you gone into politics you could easily have been secretary of state to say nothing of the vice presidency i would say president but for the fact that men of the highest genius never attain it from that moment colonel howell had become his charmed henchman stoneman owned this man body and soul not merely because he had befriended him when he was in trouble and friendless but because the colonel recognized the power of the leader's daring spirit and revolutionary genius on his left sat a negro of perhaps forty years a man of charming features for a mulatto who had evidently inherited the full physical characteristics of the aryan race while his dark yellowish eyes beneath his heavy brows glowed with the brightness of the african jungle it was impossible to look at his superb face with its large finely chiseled lips and massive nose his big neck and broad shoulders and watch his eyes gleam beneath the projecting forehead without seeing pictures of the primeval forest the head of a caesar and the eyes of the jungle was the phrase coined by an artist who painted his portrait his hair was black and glossy and stood in disheveled profusion on his head between a kink and a curl he was an orator of great power and stirred a negro audience as by magic lydia brown had called stoneman's attention to this man silas lynch and induced the statesman to send him to college he had graduated with credit and had entered the methodist ministry in his preaching to the freedmen he had already become a marked man no house could hold his audiences as he stepped briskly into the dining-room and passed the brown woman a close observer might have seen him suddenly press her hand and caught her sly answering smile but the old man waiting at the head of the table saw nothing the woman took her seat opposite stoneman and presided over this curious group with an easy assurance of conscious power whatever her real position she knew how to play the role she had chosen to assume no more curious or sinister figure ever cast a shadow across the history of a great nation than did this mulatto woman in the most corrupt hour of american life the grim old man who looked into her sleek tawny face and followed her cat-like eyes was steadily gripping the nation by the throat did he aim to make this woman the arbiter of its social life and her ethics the limit of its moral laws even the white satellite who sat opposite lynch flushed for a moment as the thought flashed through his brain the old cynic who alone knew his real purpose was in his most genial mood tonight, and the grim lines of his powerful face relaxed into something like a smile as they ate and chatted and told good stories 
lynch watched him with keen interest he knew his history and character and had built on his genius a brilliant scheme of life this man who meant to become the dictator of the republic had come from the humblest early conditions his father was a worthless character from whom he had learned the trade of a shoemaker but his mother a woman of vigorous intellect and indomitable will had succeeded in giving her lame boy a college education he had early sworn to be a man of wealth and to this purpose he had throttled the dreams and ideals of a wayward imagination his hope of great wealth had not been realized his iron mills in pennsylvania had been destroyed by lee's army he had developed the habit of gambling which brought its train of extravagant habits tastes and inevitable debts in his vigorous manhood in spite of his lameness he had kept a pack of hounds and a stable of fine horses he had used his skill in shoemaking to construct a set of stirrups to fit his lame feet and had become an expert hunter to hounds one thing he never neglected to be in his seat in the house of representatives and wear its royal crown of leadership sick or well day or night the love of power was the breath of his nostrils and his ambitions had at one time been boundless his enormous power to-day was due to the fact that he had given up all hope of office beyond the robes of the king of his party he had been offered a cabinet position by the elder harrison and for some reason it had been withdrawn he had been promised a place in lincoln's cabinet but some mysterious power had snatched it away he was the one great man who had now no ambition for which to trim and fawn and lie and for the very reason that he had abolished himself he was the most powerful leader who ever walked the halls of congress his contempt for public opinion was boundless bold original scornful of advice of all the men who ever lived in our history he was the one man born to rule in the chaos which followed the assassination of the chief magistrate audacity was stamped in every line of his magnificent head his choicest curses were for the cowards of his own party before whose blanched faces he shouted out the hidden things until they sank back in helpless silence and dismay his speech was curt his humor sardonic his wit biting cruel and coarse the incarnate soul of revolution he despised convention and ridiculed respectability there was but one weak spot in his armor and the world never suspected it the consuming passion with which he loved his two children this was the side of his nature he had hidden from the eyes of man a refined egotism this passion perhaps for he meant to live his own life over in them yet it was the one utterly human and lovable thing about him and if his public policy was one of stupendous avarice this dream of millions of confiscated wealth he meant to seize it was not for himself but for his children as he looked at howell and lynch seated in his library after dinner with his great plans seething in his brain his eyes were flashing intense and fiery yet without color simply two centers of cold light gentlemen he said at length i am going to ask you to undertake for the government the nation and yourselves a dangerous and important mission i say yourselves because in spite of all our beautiful lies self is the center of all human action mr lincoln has fortunately gone to his reward fortunately for him and for his country his death was necessary to save his life he was a useful man living more useful dead our party has lost its first president but gained a god why mourn 
we will recover from our grief said howell the old man went on ignoring the interruption things have somehow come my way i am almost persuaded late in life that the gods love me the insane fury of the north against the south for a crime which they were the last people on earth to dream of committing is of course a power to be used but with caution the first execution of a southern leader on such an idiotic charge would produce a revolution of sentiment the people are an aggregation of hysterical fools i thought you favored the execution of the leaders of the rebellion said lynch with surprise i did but it is too late had they been tried by drumhead court-martial and shot dead red-handed as they stood on the field in their uniforms all would have been well now sentiment is too strong grant showed his teeth to stanton and he backed down from lee's arrest sherman refused to shake hands with stanton on the grandstand the day his army passed in review and it's a wonder he didn't knock him over sherman was denounced as a renegade and traitor for giving joseph e johnston the terms lincoln ordered him to give lincoln dead his terms are treason yet had he lived we should have been called upon to applaud his mercy and patriotism how can a man live in this world and keep his face straight i believe god permitted mr lincoln's death to give the great commoner the leader of the leaders the right of way cried lynch with enthusiasm the old man smiled with all his fierce spirit he was as susceptible to flattery as a woman far more so than the sleek brown woman who carried the keys of his house the man at the other end of the avenue who pretends to be president in reality an alien of the conquered province of tennessee is pressing lincoln's plan of restoring the union he has organized state governments in the south and their senators and representatives will appear at the capitol in december for admission to congress <laughs> he thinks they will enter the old man broke into a low laugh and rubbed his hands my full plans are not for discussion at this juncture suffice it to say i mean to secure the future of our party and the safety of this nation the one thing on which the success of my plan absolutely depends is the confiscation of the millions of acres of land owned by the white people of the south and its division among the negroes and those who fought and suffered in this war the old commoner paused pursed his lips and fumbled his hands a moment the nostrils of his eagle-beaked nose breathing rapidly sensuality throbbing in his massive jaws and despotism frowning from his heavy brows stanton will probably add to the hilarity of nations and amuse himself by hanging a few rebels he went on but we will address ourselves to serious work all men have their price including the present company with due apologies to the speaker howell's eyes danced and he licked his lips if i haven't suffered in this war who has your reward will not be in accordance with your sufferings it will be based on the efficiency with which you obey my orders read that he handed to him a piece of paper on which he had scrawled his secret instructions another he gave to lynch hand them back to me when you read them and i will burn them these instructions are not to pass the lips of any man until the time is ripe four bare walls are not to hear them whispered both men handed the leader the slips of paper simultaneously are we agreed gentlemen perfectly answered howell your word is law to me sir said lynch 
then you will draw on me personally for your expenses and leave for the south within 48 hours i wish your reports delivered to me two weeks before the meeting of congress as lynch passed through the hall on his way to the door the brown woman bade him good night and pressed into his hand a letter as his yellow fingers closed on the missive his eyes flashed for a moment with cat-like humor the woman's face wore the mask of a sphinx End of Book 2, Chapter 1